What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you've had a great week so far. I'm sure, or at least I hope you've been enjoying the barrage, dare I say, of content that we've been bringing to you. You more than deserve it, and there's a lot going on. And so instead of letting it build up, we're just trying to give you bits and pieces as the day progresses, as there's just so much going on in the world of wrestling. As always, thank you guys so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction. It makes a massive difference to have your full support. Thank you for all that you do on the socials, following us at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. Also, for those of you subscribed to our podcast, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. There's a bunch of news to talk about and a bunch of things that are going on. So I want to get to some of the news and then we'll get to some in-house things as well. First off, kind of where we're going today, we'll likely spend quite a bit of time talking about WWE, specifically Raw and NXT, as of course both are giving us fallouts from their big events over the weekend, including Hell in a Cell and NXT in your house and some interesting developments have come from both of those spaces. If you've not watched either show and you do not want spoilers, then go ahead and press pause, finish watching those shows, and then come back and enjoy the rest of our analysis. If you've already watched or it doesn't matter, so be it. Let's rock. All right, so let's start with Monday Night Raw. I don't want to go blow by blow. I just kind of want to hit some of the major points. Of course, the show started off with Cody Rhodes, which right now the wrestling world is talking about Cody Rhodes and for understandable reasons. So I have been getting people asking me, as others have been asking, was this whole injury on him a work? Now, I will tell you, Some of you have already heard, if you've listened to the podcast from earlier this week, you know my feelings about this idea of the first default question of us being, is this a work or a shoot? So go back and hear my opinion on that. I don't want to rehash that. What I do want to say is this is a very real situation. And what's interesting is, if you go back this week and listen to any of Pat McAfee's shows, he will tell you that for those who thought that it might have been makeup or might have all whatever, no, when a pectoral is torn, the body responds with that type of bruising and contusions. And so it really does make sense why so many people have been calling this one of the gutsiest performances in the history of pro wrestling because the level of pain that he must have been enduring to have the pectoral tore off the bone that hurts I can't even imagine that level of pain but then to actually work a match for over 20 minutes inside hell in a cell and not hold back That was incredible. It was amazing. And it is the kind of gutsy performance that will likely guarantee Cody Rhodes being cemented as one of the most significant wrestlers in the history of this business. So I'm sure some will say, well, Gerard, you're really going and stretching with that. No, 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 no. I don't think most of us, because most of us, in fairness, have never torn our pectoral muscle. But to give you a frame of reference, John Cena tore his pectoral, did not wrestle with that, and was out for three months. Triple H tore his pectoral muscle off the bone, did not wrestle in a match, but instead had surgery and was gone for five months. 
The idea that this man tore his pectoral 48 hours before Hell in a Cell and chose to wrestle, that is legendary. It really, really is. And so we can't say enough about Cody Rhodes. We definitely wish him a speedy recovery. And I'm certain that this will be something that no one will forget anytime soon. He alluded to the fact that if he can be healthy, he will be at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Many would consider him to be the odds-on favorite to win Money in the Bank had this injury not happened. So I think Money in the Bank is now really wide open for whoever would win it. My understanding is that there will be one match for the males and one match for the females. As we know, there's only one major world championship right now for the men of WWE. For the women, you have both the Raw and SmackDown championships. So that should make for some interesting times at Money in the Bank. One of the other big pieces of news was the announcement of a potential fourth member for the Judgment Day. We would find out that the fourth member would be Finn Balor, which seemed shocking, but that shock was dwarfed by an even bigger shock, the idea that the creator of this faction would now be ousted as Edge was ousted from the faction he created. There's been a lot of talk on social media about did this make sense, did it not make sense. So here are my thoughts. First and foremost, I feel like the Judgment Day as a faction is still very new. They weren't formally put together until immediately after WrestleMania. And at that point, it was just Edge and Damian Priest. Then a month later, at WrestleMania Backlash, we find out about the third member, that being Rhea Ripley. So here we are, basically two months removed from WrestleMania. This faction is barely two months old. Adding a fourth member makes sense. Ousting the originator does not. I, I, I have not found a scenario yet where it makes sense to oust Edge. Let's consider a couple of things. First and foremost, Edge won the match for the Judgment Day at the pay-per-view by pinning, of all people, Finn Balor. So I don't know how Edge would be considered the one holding back Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest. Now, no, Damian Priest has not received any title shots, but it has been two months. Not just that, but he went almost a year as the United States champion. He's in a new space right now. That's perfectly fine. Rhea Ripley was not in title contention. As a matter of fact, she ended up being a part of the Judgment Day to really help revitalize her career after things somewhat failing of sorts with her not being able to regain the women's championship, with her losing the tag titles and being stuck in some bad tag teams with both Nikki A.S.H. and Liv Morgan. So understanding all of that puts this decision to oust Edge in kind of a different stratosphere. Like, who thought this was a smart move? And let's add to that what's even more controversial, if you ask me, and that is that you would replace the leader with the person that the leader pinned in Finn Balor. Now, let's be clear. One thing we have not seen in WWE is Finn Balor 
as a bad guy. We've not seen it. Even during his stint in NXT, his last one where he was far more aggressive, he still was well loved. So what happened here is we couldn't figure out if Finn Balor was actually joining the group or if this was a ruse because he was still smiling. He still came out to the same entrance music. He had the same entrance motions. So do we believe that Finn Balor is a part of this group? Yeah, so this is why I say this was just done wrong. There should have been enough shock placed on the fact that Finn Balor joined the group. That factoid just seemed to disappear or dissolve because now you've got Edge being kicked out of the group. And the reasoning, they said because Edge was the last thing holding them back, holding them back from what? They've been winning, not losing. If they had been losing under Edge, that would make sense. Then we have to also ask ourselves this question. What did they just give Edge a new entrance for? What did they just have Edge cut his hair for? What did Edge get new music for? If all of this was going to be for naught in two months. And then I also thought it was wild that at the end of Rhea Ripley's match at the end of the night, they're using the new music for Edge for Judgment Day. So here again is a continuity issue within WWE. Now, I said none of this made sense, but let me try to play devil's advocate and look at the other side of this. So no, we can't find a reason why Edge would be kicked out of Judgment Day, except for this one. And it really has nothing to do with Judgment Day. As much as it has to do with this, when your top babyface or your most popular superstar, as in Cody Rhodes, is now going to be out on the shelf, when your top heel in the company, who is the world champion, is out on the shelf, then who is going to be your top babyface? Do you make that edge? Edge was getting an incredible response before he decided to make a full turn before WrestleMania. So maybe you go that route. I personally think they could have gone a couple of other routes. Given the response that Bobby Lashley had in Chicago Sunday night, maybe he's someone who could have been given that particular ball. Or how about Riddle? The way Riddle has been getting responded to with his wars against the bloodline, he could have been that guy. I just think that this decision was a rash decision that doesn't have a lot of sensibility to it. And for a company that prides themselves on being great storytellers, this was not a great story. It started off well, but who did hinder you? And so now, what happens? Are we going to find the Judgment Day to be more intimidating with Finn Balor at the helm? Or is he even at the helm? Is Damian Priest at the helm? There's a whole lot of things we don't know. And if you're saying you don't want anybody to tell you what to do, then are you now a group with no leader? And every group that we've ever seen that had no leader fell apart. So this will be interesting. I don't know how they're going to work this. Obviously, we're going to have to wait to find out. But yeah, this this just doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make a lot of sense. With that said, Rhea Ripley is the new number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship, which I won't say that it won't make sense, but I will say that I don't know 
that this version of Rhea Ripley is ready to fight for the championship yet. Not that she can't hold her own, but this Rhea needs to be viewed as a monster, and we don't view her as a monster yet. So I don't know. What do you guys think of what happened on Monday Night Raw? Let me know in the comments at The Faction Show. Now we'll dig into NXT when we come back. Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. Simon Dallas Page is here at Southern Honor Wrestling. Quit. But Jericho is here and can't What is going on? Oh my God! Give me a minute! Oh man! Over you! Oh! Because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping it. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for it a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a been there is a you, there will always be a S-H-W. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yo, 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 it's your boy JTG, a.k.a. the author of Damn Why I Write This Book 2, How to Play the Game, and you are listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. 
NXT 2.0 took place last night, of course, from the NXT Arena in Orlando, Florida. And what are the big pieces of news coming out of this? Well, we're getting an idea of a couple of things. We're starting to now see Legato Del Fantasma working under the dawn of NXT, being Tony D'Angelo and his family. I'll tell you this now, the chemistry for this doesn't work for me. They are better as opponents than they are working together. Though to me, it just seems like the writing's on the wall, right? There's going to be tension for a few weeks, maybe even a few months, however long they can drag this out, before somehow, some way, Legato Del Fantasma fights for their freedom, they win their freedom, and these guys war all over again for another six months. Just seems to make sense. What I'd like to see is something new and something fresh. We've seen this before. As a matter of fact, we just saw this, if I remember correctly, last year or maybe even the year before when Cameron Grimes ended up working for, I believe it was L.A. Knight. And yeah, he had to be his butler and all of that jazz. Yeah, we saw how all that happened. So I don't know why we need to rehash that, but hey. It is what it is. We also know that Roxanne Perez won the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. Congratulations to her. She will likely either challenge for the Women's Championship or the Tag Team Championship. Though it makes sense and it seems as though they are building toward a title match between her and Mandy Rose. Roxanne Perez, a trainee from Reality of Wrestling, Booker T's organization, who also is a former Ring of Honor women's champion. So I think this is going to be interesting to watch how this plays out. Uh, I don't know how long Mandy Rose remains in NXT, though I do think this NXT run is the best run of her career to date, without question. And with that said, I don't know if they should rush a return to Raw or SmackDown for her. Let this simmer let her get all of the juice that she possibly can out of this before moving back to Raw or SmackDown. And that leads to perhaps the biggest news of the night from NXT. As Braun Breaker is looking for his next opponent, who shows up but Apollo Cruz? So this one shocked me, probably shocked you as well, certainly shocked the audience. He was received with a hero's welcome, and there were a few things that were immediately noticeable. First and foremost, he did not have his Nigerian garb on, which he had been rocking for the last year or so, ever since the precursor to WrestleMania last year when he would go on and win the Intercontinental Championship. Speaking of that, at his side since that WrestleMania match was Commander Aziz, who is no longer present. Now, that could mean Commander Aziz may be going at it alone at some point in WWE. Maybe he'll make his way back to NXT, but right now, he's not alongside Apollo Crews. Perhaps the most noticeable piece is somehow, someway, the Nigerian accent that had been the staple for Apollo Crews for the last year is now gone. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone, seemingly never to return. Matter of fact, it's gone like it was never there, which is equally interesting to me. Like how you go from having an accent to not having an accent kind of reminds me of when Kofi Kingston was mysteriously cured of his Jamaican accent and now all of a sudden is being dubbed from Ghana, West Africa, which he actually is from. So with that said, Apollo Crews stakes his claim 
for an eventual NXT title shot and makes it clear that he is NXT. He didn't get a Raw or SmackDown graphic in his lower third. It's NXT. So Apollo Crews is back in NXT. And I got to tell you, I think this is a good move. I loved Apollo Crews in NXT when he originally was there during the black and gold brand. And I will tell you, I felt like his run was short-lived. He had one opportunity at the championship against Finn Balor in a great match. It was built up well. But then shortly after that, he found himself on Monday Night Raw where he ultimately did not do well except for the last year or so, where he would ultimately win the U.S. championship during the pandemic. He would win the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania last year. Held on to it for a little bit, but after losing that title, he really did not get the opportunity to find his way. So my hope is that NXT, the second time around, will be the charm for him. I think they could build NXT around him. He has the incredible athleticism, and NXT has been a space where athleticism has been celebrated historically, so hopefully that'll be the case. With that said, as I'm thinking about athleticism, I want to go back and mention the great match that happened between Nathan Frazier and Santos Escobar. So if you heard the episode yesterday, you know I'm very high on Santos Escobar. I do believe he can be an NXT champion. And so him actually losing this match to Nathan Frazier made sense from a storyline perspective. These two really went at it. And again, athleticism being the name of the game. So with that said, Apollo Crews would then end up in the main event teaming with Solo Sokoa against the A champion, Carmelo Hayes and Grayson Waller. Now, I'll say this. If you're considering what stars have been or are being built in NXT, I think we actually can name a few of them. Carmelo Hayes absolutely being one of them. In fact, you could make the argument that Carmelo Hayes is the lone standout from black and gold that's actually increased his stock in 2.0 as opposed to losing status or even leaving the company. Carmelo Hayes is a star, no doubt about it. Him being North American champion makes all sorts of sense. This war with him and Solo Sokoa is going to be special. The people love Solo Sokoa. He's got a bloodline in his pedigree, which is exciting. And so I'm pumped for that potential war. So there are some really good moments that are happening in NXT. Again, kind of your big takeaways. Roxanne Perez wins the knockouts tournament. This budding war between Solo Sokoa and the NXT North American champion Carmelo Hayes. And of course, the return of Apollo Crews to NXT. All of this is fantastic. Fantastic. All right, before we go, a couple of big pieces of news that I want to share with you. First and foremost, you can get your brand new t-shirt as we are betting on ourselves, bet on you, part of my new line on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. You can head there right now and get as many t-shirts as you want in black and or military green. People have been digging the military green, which I'm all for. So by all means, grab the new shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. This weekend's going to be a huge weekend. Friday night, SHW40 is going down here in Atlanta. Really excited about that. I'll be there doing commentary along with my good brother Brandon Benefield. Looking forward to that. You can check out the live pre-show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Southern Honor Wrestling beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you want to come 
come to the show. As a matter of fact, I would just say this is a great weekend to hang in Atlanta. Lots of great wrestling action. Friday night, we've got Southern Honor. And then Sunday night, we've got Battle Slam. So if you want to be here for all of that, make your trip to Atlanta. You can get your tickets for Battle Slam at Eventbrite, and you can follow Battle Slam on Facebook and Twitter at Battle Slam. By all means, do that. You'll be able to check out the card and all the cool things there. Southern Honor Wrestling, the tickets will go on sale at the door Friday, beginning 5 p.m. Eastern at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. So... I think it's a great weekend for wrestling. I can't wait to see you guys there. And again, Southern Honor Wrestling, SHW 40, taking place this Friday night. If you're unable to be there, you can check out the live pre-show on Facebook, and you'll be able to check out that show when it hits IWTV. Battle Slam, where hip-hop and pro wrestling collide, will feature a big performance from Little Scrappy, He's going to be in the building. Some incredible matches, including appearances from Dante Martin. Matter of fact, he'll be taking on Leon Ruff. That's kind of a dream match. If you love athleticism, that match is going to be crazy. Private Party is going to be in the house. An amazing women's match featuring the Impact Knockouts champion, Tasha Steeles, taking on Queen Aminata. This is a dream match, guys. It's going to be crazy. So if you can be in the building... and there's a ton of other matches happening as well. You can be in the building for Battle Slam. That will be incredible. But the big piece of news about Battle Slam, which dropped yesterday, I'm still kind of in my feelings about this one, family. Battle Slam, for the first time ever, will be live on pay-per-view on Fight TV this Sunday night. And yes, I will be there along with the amazing Suge Dunkerton aka pineapple pete we are doing commentary live on pay-per-view so i gotta tell you it's been a lifelong dream to be able to say those five words live on pay-per-view that's happening so it's an amazing celebration it is something i'm extremely excited about i want to say thank you to everybody who's already reached out about this huge news you can order on fight tv right now this pay-per-view go ahead and order it now so it's already locked and loaded the pay-per-view begins at 7 p.m eastern this sunday night you want to see battle slam live and in living color so if you can't be in the building you can watch it on pay-per-view and i can't wait to hear what you guys have to say on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Thank you in advance for your support of what's happening with Battle Slam. Just amazing things are happening. And for you guys that have been with us in the trenches from the beginning, you know how big of a deal this is. Yes, yes, I'm making my pay-per-view debut. So this is going to be incredible. Happening this Sunday as part of Battle Slam. So with that said, Want to hear from you guys? Hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at The Faction Show. And until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray, this is Gerard Bonner. They call me GB, and this is The Faction. I my 